Good morning, church. Before we begin, I want to just quickly uh, announce to you that, Lord willing, next Sunday, the 16th, we're going to begin phase one of um, ideas that have come from our congregational meeting. So I want you to know that the congregational meeting was not in vain, um, but we are going to begin, and uh, we encourage everyone to not only attend, but uh, our worship, obviously, not because of that, but just to be here, but also to be prepared to work, prepared to work. That's what God wants us to do. Welcome, our visitors. We uh, thank you for your attendance. Let's go to God in prayer, please. Heavenly Father, we, we honor you. We, we lift up your name. We praise you. We're so thankful, Lord God, to you for, for all that you've done and for all that you do, for your greatness and for your goodness. And we ask, Lord God, for your help. Please bless us this morning as we worship you. Clear our minds from worldly thought and help us, Lord God, to, to think about Jesus, to remember him, to honor that amazing sacrifice that has been made in our behalf. Help us to never forget. And please watch over us through our worship. In Jesus' name we pray to be thy will. Amen. This morning, I want us to briefly take a look at the historical context of the Babylonian captivity. And while we do that, I want us to consider the prophecies that God has given to us, uh, given to the Jewish people in that particular time, about a return from Jerusalem. And then I'm going to draw some parallels, and I'll, I'll get to those in just a moment. Jeremiah, please, chapter 3. So the Babylonian captivity was a temporary punishment. The captivity was a consequence of the sins of Israel and Judah, Judah in particular in regards to Babylon. In Jeremiah 3, beginning at verse 6, the Bible says, Then the Lord said to me in the days of Josiah the king, Have you seen what faithless Israel did? She went up on every high hill and under every green tree, and she was a harlot there. And I thought, after she was done these things, she would return to me. But she did not return. And her treacherous sister Judah saw it. Can you imagine God saying, and I thought? And I saw that for all the adulteries of the faithless Israel, I had sent her away and given her a writ of divorce. Yet her treacherous sister Judah did not fear, but she went and was a harlot also. And it came about because of the lightness of her harlotry that she polluted the land, and committed adultery with stones and trees. I'm going now to 2 Kings chapter 17. The Babylonian captivity was a result of, of the Israelites' persistent rebellion against God. I mean, it was just something that they just felt like they had to do. Their disobedience against God's commandments brought a great punishment. Listen to what they did. Beginning of verse 16. You go back to verse 6 to get the context and read through the rest of the chapter. But I'm just grabbing verse 16 through 19. And they forsook all the commandments of the Lord, their God, and made for themselves molten images, even two calves, and made an Asherah and worshipped all the hosts of heaven and served Baal. Then they made their sons and their daughters pass through the fire and practiced divination 
and enchantments and sold themselves to do evil in the sight of the Lord, provoking him. So the Lord was very angry with Israel and removed them from his sight. None was left except the tribe of Judah. Also Judah did not keep the commandments of the Lord, their God, but walked in the customs which Israel had introduced. And so Judah followed, unfortunately and sadly, her sister, Israel. And then verse 13, the Bible says, Yet the Lord warned Israel and Judah through all his prophets and uh, every seer, saying, Turn from your evil ways and keep my commandments, my statutes, according to all the law which I am commanding your fathers and which I sent to you through my prophets, the servants. Back to Jeremiah, please, 25. God warned them. God told them. God pleaded with them. But they didn't listen. The captivity was their discipline, if you will. Jeremiah 25 and verse 8. The Bible says, Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, because you have not obeyed my words, behold, I will send and take all the families of the north, declares the Lord. And I will send to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, my servant, and will bring them against this land and against its inhabitants and against all these nations round about. And I will utterly destroy them and make them a horror and a hissing and an everlasting desolation. Moreover, I will take from them the voice of joy and the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride, the sound of the millstone and the light of the lamp. And this whole land shall be a desolation and a horror. And these nations shall serve the king of Babylon 70 years. You might say, and we would say, that's severe punishment. It was a punishment for their sins. But God had a, had a limit to this. In other words, this was a temporary event for the punishments of the sins of Israel. It had its limits, and it was even in a temporary location, Babylon. In Jeremiah 25 and verse 12, then it will be when 70 years are completed. I will punish the king of Babylon, and that nation declares the Lord for their iniquity and the land of the Chaldeans, and I will make it in everlasting desolation. Isaiah 44. The temple had its unique central role in the Jewish worship. It was the dwelling place of God's presence for his chosen people. It was a place where sacrifices were offered. It was a place where they communed with the Creator. It was a place where the Holy of Holies and the Ark of the Covenant were. It was a place that was unique to Israel, her priest and her high priest. And yet because of sin, God through the captivity, he took it all away from them. And when the central place of worship was taken away, here's what the Jews did. The Jews began to establish what we know as synagogues. A gathering place for prayer, for study, for worship, 
The synagogue became the, the new focal point of worship for the Jews. The synagogue, or in the synagogue, they came, they met, they read the Torah, they taught, they prayed. But here's what they could not do. They could not offer sacrifices for their sins. They could not enter a holy of holies. They could not enter into the presence of the mercy seat of God. In Isaiah 44, in verse 26, the temple of God was the design place of worship and sacrifice. Verse 26, the Bible says, confirming the word of his servant and performing the purpose of his messengers. It is I who says to Jerusalem, she shall be inhabited, and the cities of Judah, they shall be built and I will raise up her ruins again. It is I who says to the depth of the sea, be dried up, and I will make your rivers dry. It is I who says of Cyrus, he is my shepherd, and he will perform all of my desires. And he declares of Jerusalem, she will be built, and of the temple, your foundations will be laid. Why? Turn to Jeremiah 29. Because it was God's design for his people to meet with him in Jerusalem, in the temple, for worship and sacrifice. But God gave a promise, a promise to Israel, a promise to Judah, should I say, Something of encouragement. He says to them in Jeremiah 29, through all the struggle, he says, For thus says the Lord, when 70 years have been completed for Babylon, I will visit and fulfill my good word to you to bring you back to this place. And when it was time, I'm going to Haggai chapter 1. And when it was time, this is important, when it was time for the Jews to return back to Jerusalem to worship God after the 70 years. Most of the people didn't want to return. Haggai 1. Haggai and Zechariah were sent to encourage them. Zephaniah writes about these things and other of the old minor prophets and he says this. Thus says the Lord of hosts. This people says, The time has not come, even the time for the house of the Lord to be rebuilt. Then the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house lies desolate? What a question. See, they, they neglected getting back to the business of rebuilding the temple, if you will, of God and the walls. And, and they became, if you will, comfortable. So now we have to talk about what's uncomfortable for just a moment. The church around the world, in some places it has not, so let me just not say that in the lower 48. But the church in Anchorage has reassembled. But you know what happened? 
like the Jews, some of us still have not returned. And perhaps the question for today will be the same question that was asked of Haggai, or through Haggai, to the people. And the question is, found in verse 5, where God says, Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. So I want to parallel just, just for a moment. The Babylonian captivity with COVID in one sense or another. I'm not saying that COVID was a, was a punishment to the world in no way, shape, or form. But we know, you know, we all can admit that Satan had a field day with COVID-19. I think it's time to say some things we've never really said, at least from this podium. It's time to come back. So we know the pandemic has presented an unprecedented you know, amount of difficulties you know, regarding Christians all over the world. We had so many issues, right? We had, we had closures of churches and limitations for gathering and worship, and it, and it, and it caused a bunch of havoc, and you know, churches did the best they knew how at the time. Never been through a pandemic before. But then we all began to pray, right? This was our prayer. Our prayer sounded something like, Lord, please take away COVID and bring us back again. And then God answered that prayer, and I asked the question, did we really mean the prayer? Here's what happened. Some of us, many of us, got a little comfortable. And so, COVID-19 did something. Open the door for the decision to be made to, like in Babylon, turn our living rooms into synagogues, right? And we did the best we could. Right, wrong, or indifferent, we, we did the best we could with, with our homes. And, and it was great to see so many members meeting in one home. And, then, and, and it was wonderful to see that, that members said, we're still going to worship. And it was great that we were able to continue to stream. And, you know, and then you, we look back and we go, some members say, you know, well, you know, should we have ever closed down? And, and, and I, you know, we can't fix that. That's done, right? I pray we'll never be in a position like this again. But I think we've learned something. Closing down hurt us. Maybe we, maybe we never do that again. So here's what happened. Here's a question. We know that streaming, let me just... Uh, preface this with, is a great idea, it's a great tool for, for the sick, for the shut-in, for people that just, I, I get it, you know, there's a, there's some positives to, to streaming, but should we use streaming being healthy as a substitute for worship? Should we continue in that, right? Should we continue in that, or, or was, was our home or a temporary thing in the past? This is what happened. I remember the first time that we, we had to close down. We only closed down for what one, one Sunday, I believe it was. And then we went to streaming. We remember we did Zoom first, and that was a disaster. Uh, that was a blunder that I had. Uh, and then the idea of streaming came up, and it was great. But it was different, just kind of rolling out of your bed on Sunday morning. And then like, you're like, okay, we're, we're here. Wait, it was different. Personally, I didn't like it. This is my opinion. 
But here's what happened over time. It became easy, and so easy to where we've, we went from dressing up, in, and, and this is what members have told me, right? Dressing up in the morning and, and changing, and like you're going to worship. And then over time, it was like, mm, we just started rolling out of our bed in our pajamas, and then sitting in front of the television. And then we, we had our coffee, and we had our donuts, and, we, and it became easy. And, we, and we, we enjoyed the experience. But do you think it's time for us to change our way of thinking? All over the world, church, I'm not just talking about anchors, just all over the world, is it time to change our way of thinking? Is it time to come back? Amen. Thank you. See, we can never let it be said that, that we never preached on the subject or broached the idea that it was actually time to come back. Maybe we just need to hear, hey guys, guess what? It's time to come back. Oh yeah, you're right. It is time to go back. And I'm not, I guess I'm preaching to the choir because you're back. But I'm preaching to folks online. And I don't even want to take this offensively, but we've got to understand that just like Babylon, we had a temporary solution that, that we came up with. Babylon was a temporary solution to the answering of, of God's call, if you will, through a punishment of their sins. But God said, you need to go back. And so many of the Jews never went back. And for some of our homes, maybe, maybe we're using it as a fix for a temporary problem. But it's not going to fix our fleeting issue of COVID. What's going to happen next time that something happens? We're, we're going to say, okay, church, we're never going to meet again. I mean, it's going to destroy us, church. Right? I think Satan knows that. Our homes are not a permanent fix to a temporary problem. I want to go to Hebrews chapter 10. And some of you may disagree with me, but Hebrews chapter 10, let me ask you a few questions while we broach the subject. Hebrews chapter 10. Independent worship. Well, that was another issue. Remember getting the calls, hey, well, you know, I'm single, it's just me, and I gotta take communion. You know, how do I how do I do this? And it was like independent worship right? in our homes. It's just when I fix our problem. Here's a question for the church. Listen to what God said. This is the design. Verse 23. Let us hold fast the confession of of our hope without wavering. That's an absolute impossibility if we, if we try to do this on our own. You can't. None of us can defeat Satan by ourselves. So this is what happened, right? When we start isolating ourselves because of our pandemic, when we started isolating, we, be, we began, to, began to grow weaker spiritually. So, and I thank God for you. Some of you said, hey, we've got to do something else. So you were trying to find ways to do more. And I know that because many members were talking to me about that. We need more. We're trying to do more. Because we can't do this alone. So verse 24 says, Let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. You can't do that alone. And so coming together as a body, as a community, as it's called today, as a community and a body of believers, this gives us strength to go back out there to engage in the war against Satan. You can't do it alone, church. We cannot. We desperately need each other. 
We learned that through COVID. Remember, it was just the joy, the excitement of going to a store. Can I just get to a store? You know, and I see, oh, look, people. You know, and they have even this pandemic that came from the pandemic. You know, we have COVID babies and, you know, children that weren't introduced to other people. I mean, this was a big deal, right? Thank God it was temporary. And some of you say, I know, I know. I'm still kind of around, and I know it is, but not like it was. So the idea is to try to encourage each other, especially those who have not returned, to come back. And why? Because we miss you, and we love you, and we know you miss us and love us. But somebody's got to say it, right? Come back. Let it be the preacher. I'll deal with the slack later. We're social. We need each other. How am I going to edify and strengthen you or you edify and strengthen me if we don't see each other? Do you remember the empty pews? I do. All so well. Just empty pews. The whole building was empty except for what? Eight of us that it took to continue to make the streaming work in our worship. That was daunting. Pray we never get there again. Listen to what God says. Verse 25. Not forsaking our own assembly together. 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 See, God is talking about us being together. Now let's think about the Lord's Supper, and then we'll start closing this out. Acts 20, if you will. Together. To be together with God and God's people to be together. What, what an amazing blessing. And every one of you that I spoke with regarding COVID said to me, whoa, I've sure missed worship. I sure miss meeting together. Then God knew what he was talking about. Together. Acts 20, verse 7. And on the first day of the week when we were gathered together to break bread, Paul began talking to him and tending on the, to the Paul the next day and he prolonged his message or speech until midnight. Together. One another and together. Together. Oh, there's something about being gathered together that makes a difference in our spiritual growth. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Let us, let us learn from the, from the COVID-19 pandemic. Let's learn what not to do. Let us learn what we... Let's, There'll be another pandemic as long as the world continues on. Because that wasn't the first pandemic, right? But how do we handle that next time? Let us learn from the presence of you know, our faith. For those who return from Babylon, let's look at them. Let's emulate the 50,000 or so that did go back. Let's be like them. 50,000 went back. And though there was struggle in, in the return and the rebuilding, they went back and God was pleased. God wants us back together to rebuild what was broken. And we might even say is broken. United as one body in Christ. This is kind of a stepping stone, church, into, into our, our phase one. Phase one, together. All of us, we, us, not I, together. Then there'll be phase two and phase 
And there'll be your input in the phase. And we'll, together, we can't do it alone. And as we navigate through the aftermath, is what you might call it, of the pandemic, let us keep reaching out and get back to our, what's our goal? What is our purpose? Spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. Remember, remember how hard that was? And the question was, you know, well, we got to keep our six-foot distance. <laughs> right? and, we had to, and we had to have the distance, and, and, you, and you, you no longer could, you had this personal space. And Let's get back to the business of spreading the gospel, though. Let's get back to doing what God asked us to do. But first, let us get back together. Verse 17 says, But in giving this instruction, I do not praise you, because you come together not for the better, but for the worse. This was, this was the Lord's Supper, the church of Corinth, and, and they were having issues. But notice, they, they were together. And then when Paul went through the fixing of all the problems in, in Corinth in regards to the Lord's Supper, in verse 33, he says, So then, my brethren, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. When you come together, we have a lot more chairs. We moved a bunch of them out because we didn't need the space. We didn't need the chairs. But I want us to have the next problem. Where are we going to fit the rest of the chairs? The lesson this morning is yours for you online. I pray God that the lesson presented to you in love. We love you. We miss you. We want you to return. For those who are here, stay with the Lord. Stay. If we can help in any way, if there's someone here today who would like to surrender to God in the waters of baptism, we invite you. If there are prayers needed in your behalf, we invite you to come while together we stand and sing our song of invitation.